You know, the midterm elections used to be like boring, didn't they? Do you even remember what they were? People say midterms, they say, what is that? What is it, right? In just a few hours, polls on the East Coast will begin to close. The build-up to today has seen one of the most closely watched and most expensive midterms in recent history. And before the votes are counted and the winners announced, this is what you need to know on Election Day. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me now is the co-author of Bloomberg Politics' Balance of Power daily newsletter, Kate Hunter. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So what are the pros expecting today? So it's interesting because I think we're kind of ending up here at the end of the campaign cycle. You know, millions of dollars have been spent. Countless television ads have been run. Trump has been barnstorming the country. And I think basically we're back in some ways where we started with a lot of people expecting Democrats being more likely than not to take the House and probably to lose a Senate seat or two. So we'll probably see Republicans increasing their Senate margin by a, a tiny bit, potentially a seat or two, and Democrats winning a House majority. So the House going to the Dems most likely and the the GOP regaining the Senate. And this just reminds me of what we kind of felt two years ago, because two years ago, many polls and many pundits uh, were pretty sure what the outcome was going to be. So despite this belief, um, are both sides nervous about anything? I think I think there's definitely hesitancy on both sides, particularly on the Democratic side in terms of trying to feel as though they have a lock on the House or trying to say that they might potentially have a lock on the House. I think some of that is, you know, superstition and not wanting to count your chickens before they're hatched, uh, kind of throwing back to the 2016 campaign um, and what happened two years ago, as you point out. Um, I also think, you know, it's worth noting that there haven't been a lot of changes to the way that polls are conducted in the last mm-hmm. two years. So I think, you know, some of the same, I think Democrats are well aware of the fact, and Republicans as well, that some of the same issues that arose two years ago that meant that the polls didn't totally reflect where voters were are still a problem. And if anything, polling for midterm elections is even more difficult than polling in a presidential because the people who come out to vote are so much, so fewer. So, uh, and so I think it, you know, if anything, some of the problems we saw in the polling two years ago could be even exacerbated this year. And we may be sitting here 24 hours from now saying, you know, we had another election where the polls didn't get it right. And let's let's say we are, you know, 24 hours from now, we are sitting here and we are surprised that either it is a true blue wave and the the Democrats take House and the Senate or they don't take the House at all. What what does that say about polling in general then? I think it shows that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why polls may not be as accurate as it used to be. Some of it has to do with Um, You know, just even something as simple as the rise of cell phones and polling methods tend to account for landlines. A lot of young people, um, you know, don't even have a landline anymore. So, you know, there's a lot of sort of technical issues that come up polling and the the pollsters just haven't really kept up with the times in that regard. And I think what it means is that, you know, uh, news organizations, candidates, political watchers, no one can really feel like they know exactly what's going to happen going into election night. There used to be a sense prior to 2016 that, you know, you could really predict how things were going to go. And I think everybody now is sort of coming up with contingency plans saying this is what we think is going to happen, but we're going to proceed with caution. Well, let's proceed, you and I, that um, things happen the way a lot of people are projecting them. And the Democrats do win at least control of the House. What are we looking at here on day one? Well, so Democrats um, are going to be very, very careful if they do win control of the House to not look as though they're coming out of the gate swinging for Trump. So I think we'd expect them to continue a bit of the measured tone that we've sort of heard from them thus far. They've talked about things like preserving Obamacare, like working potentially even working with Trump on an infrastructure program. Um, They have not been talking at all about impeachment or really anything to do with impeachment. But I think, you know, we look for them to sort of take the 
that they are willing to govern and work with Republicans when necessary, but also to curb what they see as the more um, egregious aspects of Trump's legislative agenda. Um, I think that, you know, it would be important to note that it probably would mean that uh, Trump has talked a bit about tax cuts 2.0. Um, that a Democratic win would certainly put that on ice. Democrats aren't likely to move on that. Um, so I think that, you know, those are kind of the things to watch out for when it comes to the House. But I think there's going to be a real concerted effort to not look as though they're trying to be um, too hasty in moving specifically against Trump when it comes to reopening um, a probe of election meddling or, you know, talking about impeachment. But the flip side of that is that they're going to be under a lot of pressure from their base to do just that. That's something that, that Democrats, if they win control tonight, they're going to have to balance. So with, while they handle that balancing act, what does President Trump do to balance all of that? Well, I think it'll be very interesting to see how Trump plays this if Democrats do win control of the House, because I don't see it as – I think it's going to be very, very hard for the president to cast this as anything other than a rebuke is – policies and his, you know, his leadership and his first year in office. But, you know, what we know about Trump is that he is a master in some ways of sort of reframing the debate and framing the public dialogue in a way that is flattering to himself. And so I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he responds on Twitter if Democrats do regain control of the House, if he um, is adversarial in his approach towards them or whether he looks as though he's extending potentially a hand um, of compromise to try to work with them. I think Trump's posture there will be really, really interesting to watch. Speaking of uh, another interesting thing to watch, is it going to be voter turnout? Because this election is really high energy um, compared to, you know, the general uh, midterm elections. Why is it so much so today that this feels like a presidential election and not a midterm election? Yeah, I think that's what's going to be really, really, really fascinating is, you know, the extent to which that materializes and looking and, you know, not just tonight, but in the days and weeks uh, after the election, you know, figuring out who exactly came out to vote, because it does have the feel of more of a presidential election. I think that um, the reason for that is that Trump, uh, you know, was elected even though he lost the popular vote in 2016. And so I think that, you know, the nation was very polarized two years ago. It's only become more so. And midterm elections tend to be base elections. And so I think the fact that more people on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, have moved towards the base and the middle, the center, the, the independents and the swing voters have gotten smaller, I think means that there's more energy on both sides behind this. And I think one of the potential sleeper stories of this election that we haven't heard so much about is the extent to which um, really Trump has been successful or not successful in the last couple of days of the campaign in ginning up support among his base. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of Democratic enthusiasm, and certainly that's high. I'm really interested to see how that compares to Republican enthusiasm, which I think may be a bit underrated at this point. Get out and vote. I want you to vote. Pretend I'm on the ballot. And don't worry, we'll be on the ballot in two years, and we will do a landslide like you haven't, like you wouldn't believe. So let's look ahead a few days and to the Trump White House. What does the Trump White House look like post-midterm elections? Because there's a lot of rumors of, of, of people leaving. Yeah, I mean, I think just the optics of a bunch of people heading for the exits right before the midterms, you know, they're just 
but quite simply they're just not good. And so I think that a lot of people, it would be a natural time in any administration after the midterm elections for people um, to look for other jobs, move on to different positions. Um, you know, obviously the, t the pace of work at the White House and in the Trump administration at a high level, at any administration at a high level, is very grueling. And so in, in every administration, sort of the first two years being up is measured by the midterms, and once those are over, a number of people tend to leave. That whole phenomenon, um, like many things, is really exacerbated in the Trump administration because there's a number of folks that really have been watched very closely. Chief among them is Jeff Sessions, who mm -hmm. has had a real testy relationship. The attorney general had a real testy relationship with Trump. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him head for the door pretty quickly. Um, John Kelly, the chief of staff, who um, you know everyone insists will continue to stay on, but you know um, there's been rumors kind of from time to time that he might head that he might head for the door. Um, there's a question of who Trump could fire. Um, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, someone who's had a very testy relationship with mm -hmm. Trump as well. So these are some of the people that I think will be watched most closely. And, and we could see, you know, as soon as tomorrow or Thursday, really, you know, no longer being a part of the Trump administration. What surprises from this midterm have struck you as, as the biggest ones? I have been really struck by the degree to which Trump has, you know, really dug in on the immigration issue. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, he obviously came out just last week and talked about the potentially revoking birthright citizenship. By all accounts, he has no actual concrete plans to do that. I think um, at the very least it was meant, the timing of it was specifically meant to come right before the election as a way to energize his base. I think that's been really surprising in terms of his approach, not because it's something that we haven't heard from Trump before, but because there seems to be a calculus on the Republican side that it's going to be more beneficial in terms of motivating their base voters who are, you know, the, the, the members of their base that are very anti-immigrant and support hardline immigration policies, that the cost-benefit of that in motivating those outweighs the potential of driving Hispanic voters into the arms of Democrats um, in states like Texas where they, and Florida and elsewhere they, where they could be really decisive. Um, we know from past voter statistics that Hispanic voters and young voters don't come out in huge waves, they tend to sit home during midterm elections. And I think it'll be interesting to see whether that trend holds true this year or whether it's different. You know, the old saying in midterm elections is that as soon as they are done, the presidential election begins. That's probably tr more true than really ever before, isn't it? I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think if anything, you could argue the presidential race has been even starting to kind of gear up a little bit the past you know, week or two. But I think certainly as soon as we know what, who's going to control the House for the next two years and who's going to control the Senate for the next two years, all the attention is going to shift to the presidential race. And I think that, you know, the outcomes of these, of these, these elections that we're going to have that are, that are occurring today are really going to influence um, – they're, they're going to set the stage for 2020, and they're going to influence how the different candidates who are considering a run um, position themselves and also how Trump positions himself heading into his reelection. Kate Hunter, thank you. Thank you. Make sure you follow Kate on Twitter. She's at Kate underscore Hunter DC. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening. Please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers. And you get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.